You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Podcast. Grab your Bibles, your sermon notes there this morning. We're going to be looking at several different passages of Scripture. You can follow along with the notes there if you'd like. Today we're continuing the series that we started last week, the series that we've titled God Never Said That. As we, and we're talking about points of deception that people have come to believe as being true, but they're, they're really not true. And at times we, I find we even credit them to God, um, but God never said that. As I said last week, I think God gets misquoted a lot. Uh, I mean, there's these popular one-liners that we've come to hear in the church and, and to believe, and we take those as truth because they sound appealing, and maybe there's even a, a shade of truth in those. And if we're not cautious and careful, this is what happens. We end up being misled, and I think these points of deception can become like a virus to our faith and, and actually take us away from what would be God's will God's Word and God's plan for us. So in this series, we're challenging some of these more common points of deception with the truth of God's Word. Because as followers of Jesus Christ, we always want to come back to the authority of God's Word. Amen? We want to anchor ourselves to the truth of God's Word. Like, I value you. I value what you think. But at the end of the day, what God's Word says is more important than what you say. Right? I mean, like, if there's a difference between what you're saying and what God's Word says, I'm going to go with God, okay? Well, because His Word is the authority. It's that that we want to anchor our lives to. About a month ago, I had an experience that reminded me of the importance of having a manual to guide us in life. As it happens, as the calendar falls out, Father's Day and my birthday are really close together. So I told my wife, I said, hey, don't buy me anything for Father's Day or my birthday. I know what I want, and I'll just get it myself. How many know? Sometimes you have to do that, right? If you know what you want, then just, you know, don't bother anyone. Just get it. So that's what I told her. I said, hey, don't bother. I'll get it. So I, I, I went online. I searched it out, and I found exactly what I wanted. I wanted a ceramic smoker. So I bought me, for, my, for Father's Day and my birthday, I bought me a Kamado ceramic smoker. And I was so excited, I couldn't wait for it to arrive. And uh, I was tracking it, you know, you can track it online. I was tracking it, at the way it's going to arrive. Finally it arrived, this big crate on a pallet delivered right to the front door. And I was so excited, I couldn't wait, ripped the package open, all of the pieces. And I'm telling you, there was a lot of pieces to this smoker. And um, because I'm a man, I do what all men do. I took all of the pieces, laid them out, and took the manual and set it aside. And I thought, I can do this. <laughs> and after about 30 minutes of moving parts around, trying to figure out what fit together and how this thing was to go together, I realized that I couldn't do it. I, I'm sorry, men, but I had to take the instruction manual. And you know what I found? I found a step-by-step guide on how to put the smoker together and get this. It even had pictures. How many of you like pictures? <laughs> All I had to do was look, look at the pictures. And step-by-step, step, I eventually got this smoker together. It is awesome. You have to come over and have some barbecue with me. I'm telling you, it is really, it does a great job. But I, as I was thinking about that real-life experience, I thought, you know, there's a parallel to life. In that life experience. In that the God who created us 
knows how we're wired. He knows how we function best. Why? Because he made us. It's kind of like that Kamado smoker grill that I bought. I mean, the folks who invented that and the folks who knows how it works best, I mean, they, they know how it should go together. And I think it's the same way. God's given us a guide, an operation manual as to how we can experience the fullness of life that he has for us. So what you don't want to do is you don't want to do what I did with the instruction manual to the grill. You don't want to just set it aside and say, hey, I think I can do this on my own. Because how many of you know when we try to do life on our own, neglecting the manual's uh, ne- neglecting the operation, God. How many of you know we get ourselves in trouble? Have you ever experienced that? Now, God, I'm not going to go your way. I think I know best. I'm going to go my own way. How many of you know that usually gets us in a difficult place? I mean, I've been there. You've been there. Where I thought I knew best. I mean, God, what do you know? I mean, like, I wouldn't say that. But that's, that, that's the statement of my action. I, I can do this on my own. Without the operation manual. And I find, like, life doesn't work so well. And what we always want to do, we want to make sure that God's Word is our guide. Looking there to your notes this morning. The source of our belief system must be established on the person of Jesus Christ and the truth of God's Word, not the culture that we live in. Truth is not what we want it to be. Rather, it is established by the God who's given us life. Can I get an amen on that? Yes. No, it's, it's God's truth that we want to follow. And in Psalm 119.105, God's word says this, that his word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. In other words, his word illuminates the way. It's God's word that will guide us and keep us from strumming. So rather than being deceived by something good that sounds good, we want to take God's word and allow it to guide us in our lives. Again, what you don't want to do is do what I did with the instruction manual to the smoker. You don't want to just set it aside. So again, we want God's word to guys. This is what I know. If I had not picked up the instruction manual to the smoker, I would still have pieces and parts laying all over the basement floor. I, I couldn't have figured it out, what I needed help. I think it's the same in our lives. What do we need? We need help. So you don't know all the answers. You may think you do. You may think you're really smart. And I'm, here to tell you, I'm here to tell you, you don't have all the answers. I don't have all the answers. What do we need? We need help. We need God's word to guide us. Well, here's a deception that we want to confront today with truth. It's there in your notes. When you believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are saved, and it doesn't matter what you do. It's a point of deception. Let me say it another way. When you say yes to Jesus, you have your ticket to heaven, and the choices and actions of your life at that point really don't matter. When you believe this deception, and that's what it is, it's deception. God never said that. When you believe this deception, then what you've done, you've taken Jesus and you've made him like the genie in the bottle. You call on him when you need him. Other than that, Jesus, stay in the bottle. I can handle this on my own. Or, in other words, it's kind of like Jesus is not the Lord of your life. You're the Lord of your life. Because you're going your own own way, not not his way. In other words, you're in control and Christ is not. 
And we see this deception playing out in our society today in a, in a lot of different ways. Where people are saying, you know, I said yes to Jesus, now I can do whatever I want. Here's the reality of it playing out. Did you know that the divorce rate in the church today is not much different than the divorce rate outside of the church? I think this is a crisis. Recent studies, recent studies have revealed that nearly half, almost 50% of young evangelical Christians between the age of 18 to 29 don't see a problem with same-sex marriage. Evangelical Christians, almost 50%. Saying, well, you know, same-sex, it's not, it's not for me, but if someone else wants to do it, then it's okay. And that's the opposite of what God's Word says. Also in a recent study, two-thirds, two-thirds of Christians who are ages 18 to 34 years of age do not believe premarital sex is wrong, even though God's Word clearly says it's wrong. Two-thirds. Another study revealed about 21% of youth pastors and 14% of pastors admit they're currently struggling with pornography. It's the leaders in the church. Recently I was... I was reading an article written by a pastor, and this pastor was, was building a case for promoting the use of marijuana, and this is what he said in his article, Jesus would have been cool with weed. A leader in the church. You can abuse your body with a substance. Jesus, he doesn't have a problem with it. I could go on and on with illustrations and statistics but what we see as we look at the church is individuals have been deceived to believe that they can be a follower of Jesus Christ without Jesus impacting who they are and how they live. There's a disconnect. There's a disconnect between, between belief and behavior. We can say yes to Jesus and live however we want. And let me tell you what that is. That is that's a point. It's a point of deception. Rather than God's word being their God, their own desires have become their God. Rather than looking to God's word to define truth, right and to define truth that which is right and wrong, they've allowed the culture to define what is right and and wrong. Now, now let me be clear this morning. It's, it's not my place to determine who's saved and who's not saved. It's not my call to make. Only Jesus knows that. Only Jesus knows the place of a human heart. But what I do know is that we are called, hear me friends, we are called to be followers of Jesus. And God's word is to be the guide, is to be the truth that guides us, not the culture we live in. We're, we're, we're not called just to believe, we're called to follow. Jesus. So here's the truth. I've given you the deception. Here's the truth. When you believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're saved and you're called to honor Jesus in your life and with your life. You know, it's interesting as you look to the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that Jesus consistently called people to follow him, not just believe in him. I mean, Jesus even said some pretty radical things. Like, if you love me, you'll follow my commandments. If you love me, it'll be, it'll be evident in how you live. That's what Jesus was saying. 
And then Jesus made this radical statement. He says, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, die to himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for me and the gospel will save it. And then the Apostle Paul in Romans 12, 1 and 2 wrote these words. Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, in view of God's rescue of your life, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the re renewing of your mind. In other words, Paul's saying, don't be shaped by the system of the world. Don't be shaped by the culture you live in. He said, rather be, be transformed. Look, there's no way around it. According to God's word, following Jesus must impact, it must change who we are and how we live. In other words, you can't say I'm following Jesus and at the same time go your own way and do your own thing. At that point, you're not following Jesus. Let's get honest. Who are you following? You're following yourself. I mean, it is what it is. Let's call it what it is. Don't say you're following Jesus when you're going out and doing whatever you want to do. No, you're not following Jesus. You're following you. Don't get many amens on that, do we? <laughs> what I find is that if we're not cautious and careful, as Christ followers, we can be deceived and we can find ourselves living for ourselves and what we want rather than living out the truth of God's Word. We can bend God's Word to where we're at Lowering God's word to our standard rather than aligning ourselves with the truth of God's word. So, so why do we buy into this deception? Why do we buy into the deception that says, well, I just say yes to Jesus and you can do whatever you want. Uh, let me give you th three or four reasons really quick. The, the first is we want to be our own master. It, it really becomes an issue of lordship. Within every one of us this morning, to some degree, we're control freaks. We want to be in control. It's true. I want to be in charge. I want to do what I want to do. It's the dilemma of we want to be our own master when Jesus has called us to die to ourselves to embrace his lordship of our lives. But there's this conflict that's happening. There's this conflict that's happening within us. This is not new. I mean, this goes all the way back to the very beginning. The book of Genesis, chapter 3, in, in the Garden of Eden, when Satan came to Eve with a point of deception, you remember the line that he said? Oh, you, you know, Eve, you know, if you, God doesn't want you to eat this fruit. That if, if you eat this fruit, then your eyes are going to be open and you will be like... They bought into the deception. And we have the crisis of the fall. I think the first reason we buy into this, if we're honest, is we want to be our own master. We, we want to be in control. Here's the second reason we buy into this deception of just say yes to Jesus and you can do whatever you want, is we want to gratify our desires. If we're honest, we want, to grat we want what we want. Our, our passion to gratify our desires, whatever that may be, is stronger than our passion to honor God in our lives. 
Again, there's this conflict happening within us. But Paul writes about this conflict in Galatians 5, 16 and 17. I have the verse on the screen. Listen, listen as I read this. Again, he's writing to the church, to Christ, or to individuals like us. And this is what he wrote. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary, what is in conflict to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary or in conflict to the sinful nature. Notice they are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. And we buy into this line of just say yes to Jesus and you can do whatever you want because we want to gratify our desires. Not only that, here's the third reason we buy into the deception is we value momentary pleasure over obedience. We value the thrill of the moment rather than the benefit and the blessing of long-term obedience. It's the thrill of the moment that we chase after. And oftentimes we lose sight of the value of obedience. Here's the fourth reason. It's not in your notes, but let me throw this in because I think it's also one of the reasons, and it's a challenge we find the deception, is today Christians don't know what God's Word says. There's an ignorance of the truth of God's Word. I'm a follower of Jesus. Have you read the book? No, I haven't read the book. Well, you should. Listen, it's difficult to live truth that you don't know. You have to to become informed. Because again, if you don't know, then you you can just think, well, it's right. Well, how do you know if it's right or wrong if if you've not been a student of God's Word? Again, His Word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Psalm 119, 10 and 11, How can a young man keep his way pure by living according to your Word, your truth. Now, Jesus has called us to more than just believing. He's called us to follow Him. Obviously, it begins with believing in Jesus Christ, who was a Son of God, who was crucified and resurrected. But beyond believing, knowing Jesus must change who we are and how we live. It must change how we do life. If not, then quite possibly you've become deceived. Let me, in a few minutes I have left, let let me give you four statements of truth that bring life. The first is this, your choices, your choices, to a great degree, will shape the life you're experiencing. The power of choosing. You It's quite amazing. When God created us, he didn't pre-program us as robots, so he's in heaven controlling us. The amazing thing is is that God, in the wonder of his creation, created human beings with a free will, the ability to choose, knowing that with that freedom to choose, some would reject Christ, some would accept Christ. The freedom to choose, some would follow and some would not. Some would choose to embrace the truth of God's word and, and some would not. So God's created with the free will and with that free will we have the ability to choose. And our choices, the choices that you make on a day-to-day basis to a great, great degree are shaping the life you live. You know, there's a scripture in, in Proverbs 19.3, the New Living Translation reads like this, People ruin their lives by their own foolishness, then they're angry at the Lord. 
I like the way the message paraphrase states the same verse. It says, people ruin their lives by their own stupidity, so why does God always get blamed? The choices, the choices we make. I think maybe I've shared this story before, but I think it so illustrates this point. When I was a young boy growing up, one of my best friends, his name was Dobie Tester. Dobie and I grew up in the same community. He lived about two miles from where I live. So especially in the summer, summertime we were always together, riding bikes, fishing, hunting, working out in the fields, um, whatever that looked like. We, we just spent our time together. We went to Sunday school together. We went to church camp together. I mean, as, as kids growing up, I mean, we were like inseparable. Until about the age, somewhere around 12 or 13, then 12 or 13, uh, my friend Dobie began to make some choices that I knew were not right. And he began to ha- be shaped by some influences that were not positive in his life. And at about 13, our lives kind of began to go down two separate paths. Now, not that I was the perfect kid by any means. Listen, I've made my share of poor decisions in my life. So I'm not saying I'm better than. I- I'm just grateful for the influence of godly parents and the instruction of God's Word that I had in my life. At about 13, our lives started going different ways. He began um, experimenting with some substances, again, wrong influences. So it became even more defined when we were in our late teen years. Um, he became rather rebellious, um, addicted. So now into our 20s, I'm now 25. I'm off at Bible college being trained to do what I'm doing today. At age 25, my, my childhood friend went into his parents' home demanding money for more substance. They refused to give him more money to buy more drugs. He took a knife and murdered his mom and dad, Don and Dana. Today, my childhood friend's doing life without parole. Today, I have the privilege of leading this awesome congregation I have a wife, two children. I'm so blessed in my life in so many ways. And it comes to the choices we make in life. The choices we make to a great degree shapes the life we're living. So to say, hey, I can just say yes to Jesus and live however I want. You can do that, but hear me. Hear me. The choices you're making about life, about Jesus in your life, is going to shape the life you're experiencing. So don't go ruin your life by your own stupidity and then blame God. Your choices, to a great degree, shape the life you're experiencing. Galatians 6, 7 says, Be not deceived. God will not be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Choices. Here's the second truth. Sin can be forgiven, but there are consequences that you may have to endure. How many of you know the good news today is that God's grace is greater than our sin? Can I get an amen on that? And that is good news. When we sin or fail, and we will because we're human, we can humbly repent and have our sin forgiven. One of my favorite verses, I pray it all the time because I need it all the time. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So there's no sin. There's no failure. There's no wrong choice that's beyond God's grace. So we can have our sin forgiven... But oftentimes, there's consequence that's still there. For example, 
Today we have a ministry here at Grace Covenant where there's men who are part of the Grace Covenant family who are writing letters of affirmation and encouragement to men who are incarcerated. What's interesting is that within the prison system, they've started a seminary where men are being trained to be pastors in the prison system, men who are incarcerated. They've come to know Christ as their Savior. They've had their past forgiven. They've responded to God's call on their life. Now they're being trained to be pastors. And listen, some of these men will never see life outside of the prison walls. Have their sins been forgiven? Has their past been forgiven? Yes. Yes. Are they still in prison? Yes. Yes. Oh, hear me. Your sins can be forgiven, but when you say, God, I'm not going to go your way, and I'm not going to do what you want. I'm going to do what I want. I mean, there could be consequences. That's painful. You've seen it. I've seen it where someone who's in a marriage relationship, either male or female, because I've seen it go both ways. I'm not picking on one or the other, where someone said, I'm going to go chase after what I want. My, my desires are greater than my commitment to God and commitment to this family. And what does it do? It creates consequence. There's heartache and there's pain. If there's children involved, then what I see is children struggling. They suffer through a family that's broke, been broken up because someone said, hey, I'm going to go do what I want to do. So sin can be forgiven. But oftentimes there's consequences you may have to endure. Here's a third truth of life. Wrong actions can rob you of potential in God's preferred plan for your life. And what I'm confident of today is that God is good and He has good plans for our lives. That God loves you outrageously. That's what I'm confident of. In 1 Corinthians 2.9, we looked at this verse in the series that we just finished where the Scripture says, No eye is seen, no ear is heard, no mind is conceived. What God has prepared for those who love Him. We talked about in the series of, on destiny. God has a great destiny, a preferred future for you. But in that series, we also talked about there's pitfalls. We talked about distractions, deceptions, and, and detours, and discouragement. We looked specifically at two individuals, Solomon and Samson in the Old Testament. Individuals that God had placed great potential in. He had great plans for But at some point along the way, as we saw in their lives, both Solomon and Samson said, we're going to go our own way. We're going to do our own thing. And what did it do? It wrecked their destiny. And here's the reality, folks. When you say, God, I'm going to do what I want to do, not what you want me to do. I'm going to go my own way and do what I want. Thanks for salvation, but but I'm not going to follow you. I'm going to do what I want. Listen. It can rob you of potential, and it can rob you of God's preferred plan for your life. In other words, there is is a cost. Some time ago, I was was sitting with a man in my office, and I I was trying to convince him to make the right decision, not the wrong decision, and I shared with him as clearly as I could the truth of God's Word and what God's Word clearly says about the consequences he was about to create. And At the end of our conversation, this is what he told me. He says, I'm going to do what I want to do. And he did. And today I can tell you there's a lot of collateral damage. What I, can, what I can tell you today is it's not going so well. 
But within his life, he's created challenges. There's, a, there's, a, there's potential that's limited. And there's destiny that's lost. Why? Because he said, I'm going to do it my own way. Then when you choose to pursue wrong actions and you choose to live life for what you want, neglecting the truth of God's word, hear me, friend, there is always a cause. Always a cause. Here's the final truth that we find clearly established in God's word. And we don't, we don't preach this much. We don't talk about this much. It's a message that we got away from that I think it's time for the church to come back to. And here it is. As Christ followers, we are called to live holy lives. Holy lives. In other words, we are called to honor God in our life and with our life. Now, when you hear the word holy, it, 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 can, it can sound intimidating. Because uh, oftentimes when we think of holy, we think of, of perfect. And, and we look at our own lives and say, well, I can never get there. How many of you know uh, perfection is not possible? Are you with me? Because we're human. Perfection is not possible. And the good news is God's not calling us to be perfect. What he's calling us is to be holy. And it's interesting, the word holy, the Greek word here is hagios, and it simply means to be separate from. I'm different from. I'm separate from. In other words, I'm, I'm different from the world. Why? Because I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm not going the way of the world. Why? But I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm different from. So the word holy means to be different from. For example, we call this book the Bible, but we also call it what? The Holy Bible. Why? Because this book is different than any book that's ever been made in the history of humanity. It is different from. It sets above. Why? It's divinely inspired by the Holy Spirit. Praise God for other books. Listen, I read a lot of books, but I'm telling you, there's no book that's like this book. Why? It's separate from. It's different from. Why? It's God's authority to us. In the same way, you and I, as followers of Jesus, are called to live different from the world. In other words, the world is not shaping our lives. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15 and 16 Peter wrote these words to us, to the church. They're on the screen. So let's read this together. Would you read this with me? As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who has called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. In other words, Peter's saying, hey, don't live like you used to live because that's not who you are today. The scripture says you're a new creation in Christ, Right? That the old has passed away. All things have become new because of the wonder of God's grace, His rescue of your life. You're not who you used to be. Today you have a new master in your life. No longer are you the master. Jesus Christ is the master. Why? Because you set your heart to follow Him. So Peter's saying, hey, don't, don't live like you used to live. Don't live in ignorance. But be holy as God's holy. And notice this last phrase. In all you do. In other words, we're not called to be holy just on Sunday when we're in the sanctuary. Holiness and holy living should impact and affect every area of our lives. In your marriages. In your family life. In your work life. 
how you handle God's money, how you relate in community. Why? Because we're following after Jesus and we're called to be different from the world. Back to Romans 12, 1 and 2. Paul says, don't be, don't be conformed to the world. Don't be living like the world. Don't be shaped by the culture and the value system of the world. Why? Because it's not our master. No, we're followers of Jesus. We're living like Christ. Then Ephesians 4, verse 22 through 24, the Apostle Paul wrote these words. And I think, that, I think this is kind of, for me, this is kind of the marching order of the day for us as Christ's followers. There's a process that he defines here that I think is really important for us. Notice what he says. You were taught with regard to your former way of life, so before Christ, before you became a Christ follower, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted. Notice by its deceitful desires. We talked about that. To be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and, notice this last word, and holiness. holiness. Now what's the process? This is what I believe should be the everyday process for us as Christ followers. What are we doing? We're putting off the old man, renewing our mind, putting on the new man. On Monday, what am I doing? Same thing. I'm putting off the old man. I'm renewing my mind with the truth of God's word. I'm putting on the new man. You know what I'm doing on Tuesday? (laughs) Same thing. I'm putting off the old man. There's a whole lot of me and me that needs to be dealt with. I'm putting off the old man. I'm renewing my mind. I'm putting on the new man. That's the process that we're called to embrace. Because we're not living by the value system of the world. God's word is that that defines the value system for our lives. And we are called, we're called to live holy in our lives. So as followers of Jesus, we don't want to blend into the culture, be shaped by the ways of the world. And we're called to be separate from, different from the world we live in. So again, Jesus has not called us just to believe. You know, we, we've kind of fallen into this thing in, in, the, in evangelical Christianity where we've just said, hey, raise your hand and say a prayer. Now, I, I believe it's important that we take the first step. But again, Jesus called people to be followers, not believers. Not just believers. It begins with believing and now we're following after Christ. So, so don't be deceived to think, hey, I can just say yes to Jesus and live however I want. Listen, if you do that, then you're not following Jesus. Again, who are you following? You're following yourself. You're doing what you want to I mean, let's just be honest. You're doing what you want to do. You've not embraced the Lordship of Jesus Christ. You're still calling the shots in your life. So to be a follower of Jesus means this. It means we honor God in our lives and with our lives. How we process life. I want to leave you with one last verse of Scripture. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Paul wrote these words. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Think about that. Where's the Holy Spirit dwell? In you. 
your body. If you're a follower of Jesus, then the Holy Spirit resides in you. Notice the scripture goes on to say, you are not your own. Don't be deceived to think you are. You're not. You're not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God. Honor God. Honor God in your body. Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you today for truth that guides us. Good Lord, I, I think we could all identify times and places in our life where we thought we knew best and we, Lord, we turned away from your truth and oh, we created some challenges in our lives. We created maybe some, some pain, some heartache. God, I thank you for your grace, your grace that's greater than our sin. I thank you that there's no point of failure, there's no wrong, there's no action that's beyond your grace. We're grateful for that. Lord, my prayer today for everyone in the room, everyone in the room, Lord, is that we would not be deceived to think, Lord, we can do whatever we want. We can go our own way, do our own thing. May we understand that we're called to follow, to follow Jesus. Lord, may that be true in our lives. Every day, may we put off the old man, renew our minds, Embrace truth. Put on the new man. Every day, put off the old man. Renew our minds. Put on the new man. That we might honor you in our lives and with our lives. May we not be those who just profess Christ, but may we live Christ. And may you, Lord Jesus, impact and affect every area of our lives. Not just our activities on a Sunday morning. Holy Spirit, help us. Help us to keep our eyes focused on the one who's rescued us. And our lives anchored. bowed and eye closed. Please, no one looking around. This is a serious time. Possibly you're here today and you would just be honest enough to say, you've just been going your own way, doing your own thing. You prayed a prayer about receiving Jesus as your Savior, but the reality is the way you've been living your life, you've just been your own thing. You've allowed the culture of our world to shape the life you're living. Listen, if that's you, listen. (laughs) The wonder of God's grace. It's time to have a wake-up call and say, no, I'm going to embrace today the Lordship of Christ. Today, I want to... I'm like the prodigal son. I want, I want to come back to that of Jesus. I don't, I don't, want, to just, I don't want to go my own way and just do my own thing. I, I want to embrace the Lordship of Christ. If that's you, I, I want to pray for you before we close. 
anyone would just say, would be bold enough to say, hey, I've been, I've been living deceived and I've been kind of out here doing my own thing. Pray to prayer, but I've been doing my own thing. Yeah, I see that hand in the balcony. Anyone else? Tough question. It's tough to own up to. Yeah, I see that. Anyone else? Yeah, I, I, yeah I, I've been doing my own thing. I've been doing my, I, I know it's the opposite of what God's word said, but just being honest, I've been doing my own thing. Anyone else? Really quick. But I, I pray this morning for individuals here, God, who just being honest enough to say, I, I've been so living in this culture and, and the process and the ways of thinking that it's deceived me and I've been out here kind of doing my own thing. And, and, and this morning, I'm, I'm just coming back. And God, I thank you that you always welcome us back. Lord, I pray for those who just simply raise their hand, embracing that of your lordship of their lives. Lord, I pray by your spirit, help them walk that out as they choose to come back to the truth of your word. Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.